This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax Gold with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hopp, and we're talking about men's sexual health with Dr. Gio Espinosa. Uh, he's a naturopathic physician. Uh, he currently works at uh, NYU. Uh, he is also the host of a podcast. What's the name of your podcast, Dr. Gio? The Dr. Gio Podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. That's, Straight, yeah, straightforward. That says it all. Okay, so uh, we in part one, we were talking about uh, prostate. We are talking about uh, testosterone. Uh, what are some options? Let, you know, let's start with lifestyle, looking at ways to boost testosterone. Because, uh, you know, say a man is, you know, not anxious to go on testosterone. Going on testosterone can be a bit of a big deal because you've got to smear it on or you have to take pellets or you have to take injections. Uh, you know, it can be yeah. messy, costly, and it does involve uh, some higher degree of uh, need to test for uh, the potential for it to cause prostate cancer. We just have to be careful. I don't think personally that testosterone is high risk for prostate cancer, but you know, you got to keep an eye on the PSA while you're taking it. So let's say men don't want to uh, go that route. And what are some of the plausible alternatives? Well, um, very, very briefly, I know that every time you ask a question, Ron, I go two steps back. <laughs> That's fine. So, yeah, I know. I know. Sorry about that. But I, I want to say this. If, if you go on TRT, on testosterone therapy, your PSA might take an initial hike. So you shouldn't be too nervous about that. Right. Your PSA will go up initially and maybe it will stabilize and then actually it will come back and go back to its normal level. I just want to say that because people right. do freak out when their PSA goes high. So. Right. Um, well, lifestyle. Okay, look, when you ask me, you know, what's the lifestyle, you know, what's the best lifestyle, lifestyle approach? What are the things that we need to do? In what order? What's the sequence? You know, someone's like asking me, which one of your three kids do you love most? Like, oh, shoot, is it, I don't know, is it <laughs> diet first? And, oh, no, no, wait, it's weight-resistant exercise. Oh, wait, wait, but I cannot ignore sleep. I mean, you need sleep. It would, you know, so it's very difficult to say, no, this is better than, more important than that. Saying that, I would say that um, sleeping well, I mean, you secrete, you, you, you release testosterone when, only when you hit REM sleep. That's when you release most of your testosterone. So you've got to get to REM sleep, a rapid eye movement sleep. If not, then it becomes very difficult to uh, have enough in your body. And remember, not only about total is about free and many, many people will make the argument that hey you need enough total to have enough free anyway I don't disagree but I've also seen as I just said that you can have lower t total but enough free and bioavailables so you do need good not only a good um, a good amount of sleep but you need good quality sleep and I would say that's very essential 
And, and conversely, conversely, it's it's also uh, been found that uh, men who have low testosterone, it's harder to sleep. So it, it is a bit of a chicken and egg thing. Is that testosterone actually it can deepen deepen sleep? So yeah, that is correct. That is correct. So then maybe there's some botanicals or either or you know testosterone therapy can help. Yeah. Um, in terms of exercise. Um, the body does not like a whole lot of stress and too much cortisol production. So while exercise is important, it's not a good idea to be an ultra uh, endurance athlete all the time. Ron, I know that you participate in triathlons, uh, so I'm going to be very careful here with, <laughs> with what I say. But but I, you but, know, but actually, I'm kind of following your example because uh, I'm cutting back a little bit on my volume, and I make sure that I do uh, strength and resistance training because uh, I think it's, it's ultra important, especially as you age, to to uh, fend off sarcopenia. So. You know, I'm not uh, into these uh, heroic exploits of, you know, ultra uh, Ironman events because uh, I, I agree with you. I think that they can be depleting. They can be. They can, they can be. And in your defense, you know, first of all, I'm kind of I kind of want to be more like you in that regard uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, you do short bouts, a, st- uh, a sprints, I think they're called and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a fun activity. and You stay active. So it's good. But, you know, there are people that do triathlons, like, you know, several times, like once a month and once every other month, and people that do ultra marathons and things like that. They, that's very stressful to the body, and the body doesn't not recuperate, and it's, it, um, it, the body produces a lot of cortisol as a result. And, and I have a line here, uh, Ron, and again, don't take my line cortisol castrates. Oh, cortisol castrates. So, too much cortisol stops the production of of testosterone, right? So that's because there's a lot of stress in the body. So you don't want to do ultra marathons or uh, a lot of just cardio uh, cardiovascular activity only. You really want to get in the weight room and lift weights. Mm-hmm. Now, Ron, I'm going to share with you something yep. that I've just figured out within the last maybe year mm-hmm. uh, or so. Okay. Which is so the, the, the secret sauce? Is this the secret sauce? I think so. It might be. Okay. So it used to be that we all said, "Okay, you got to you got to lift more weights for testosterone." But that's you leaving people high and dry. And I used to do that because I didn't know more details. The trick to making more so a lifting lifting weights helps. In two ways. Number one, it helps with the androgen receptors. So you get healthier androgen receptors and more androgen receptors by lifting weights, weight-resistant training. Mm-hmm. B, if you lift weights a certain way, you actually uh, can induce the body to produce more testosterone. And that certain way is 10 repetitions, doesn't matter, using big muscles. So let's say deadlifts or squats or, or back uh, uh, upright rows or, you know, using back muscles or lower extremities, let's just say a legs, mm-hmm. 10 repetitions, two minute rest, six times. 
Okay. And so to, to, to like, and really going with max, maximal weight. So in other words, if you're like, you know, to saying, you know, I want to go easy, I can do 25, 30 reps, uh, you know, with a light, much lighter weight. That is not as effective as trying to, uh, maximize the weight, but not like power lifters, you know, who can only do like one rep yeah. and they're, they're trying to set world records with, you know, uh, 350 right. pounds or something like that. Yeah. So the goal is that you re, you you complete your ten reps every single time. But okay. after you com- after you complete your tenth rep, if you still have another twenty in you, then the weight is too light. Okay. You should only have about two to more two to three more reps in you, but you stop at ten. Okay. And that's completely subjective, but that's what you want to do. Okay. So that involves a certain Some amount of challenge. Some people would say 80, 80, 80 to eight. Right. So people will say, well, you need 80 to 85% of your total one rep max and things like that. There's many ways of trying to get to the same goal, but right. you get the point. Right. So, so that, that, that would help with testosterone production. Now, this is interesting because, uh, you know, you contributed to, there's actually a book, which I highly recommend on this subject, which is called Integrative Sexual Health. It's a part of the Andrew Weil series, which both of us wrote uh, chapters for it. Um, but I wrote the chapter on macronutrients and fancy word for diet. So is there a diet that favors testosterone uh, production? And is there a diet that diminishes testosterone production? I actually read some interesting articles about, uh, actually they were case studies of men who just guzzled soy milk or ate tons of tofu and their testosterone was low. And they were, you know, macrobiotic vegetarians or vegans. And, and it just didn't work out for them in terms of testosterone. When they went on a more uh, mixed diet or, or moved more towards a omni diet, their testosterone came back up. What say you? That's right. That's right. Ron, first of all, you better be careful with what, careful with what you say. We don't want to upset the vegans out there. I guess that because so, they, <laughs> they, can, they, can, they can be pretty... We don't want to upset... <laughs> even if they have lower testosterone, they can be... Pretty angry and <laughs> aggressive. So yeah, no, I understand. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that is the reason why they're <laughs> you know, low testosterone. But anyway, um, um, I would say that, uh, and I read the studies on on soy and so forth. Um, actually, for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of get to the crux of your question for the first yeah. time. Actually, if you look at the preponderance of research, it indicates that. A moderately high fat diet is actually better for testosterone production okay. mm-hmm. than a low fat diet and or, you know, uh, paleo or just high protein diet. So you need a, a decent amount of fat. And when I say fat, of course, I mean good fats, not trans fatty acids, not fried foods, but good fats, you know. Uh, including fish oils, by the way, which mm-hmm. I know it has a lot of, you, you talk about it all the time. I, re, I remember your, I, Rod, I remember your salmon and salad diet. Indeed. So there yeah. you go. See, it uh, stood the test of time. It stood the test of time. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So high fat diet or moderately high fat diet. That's the way. That is the diet that's shown to increase testosterone levels. Okay. Uh, the opposite of that is a vegan diet, uh, where you don't increase testosterone levels as much. Okay. Uh, that is a, a, a vegan diet. That, and there's data to support that, of course. 
And so what about, uh, we mentioned the lifestyle factors. What about uh, supplements? Are there supplements like, uh, you know, the really deliver in terms of testosterone production? I've, I've, you know, heard about some of the traditional ones, you know, like uh, uh, arginine, citrulline, uh, you know, the nitric oxide things don't necessarily increase testosterone. They may increase uh, erectile uh, function. Um, but there are also certain yeah. herbs that may play a role. There are, there are. So, once again, the focus is not only to increase tes- total testosterone, but to increase free testosterone and to optimize androgen receptors, right? Though that's harder to prove because you can't really test clinically. There's no commercial test for androgen receptors. Um, so, one of my favorites these days is Tonkatali. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, it's very good. I think that it does do what they say it does. And I say that because oftentimes uh, there's a lot of hype around herbs and they don't do what they say they do. I think Tonkatali uh, has... It's Tonkat. T-O-N-K-A-T. Is that correct? Tonkat? T-O-N-G-K-A-T. Okay. Ali. A-L-I. Yeah. Um, so that's one. My second, uh, or the second herb that I like to use is ashwagandha. Okay. Ashwagandha. Um, and I use this in a formula. Okay. Ashwagandha. Uh, it's, it's a adaptogen, right? So it kind of, uh, it helps the body adapt to stressors and actually has shown to lower excess cortisol production, which is, again, we talked about how cortisol castrates. So ashwagandha offsets that pretty nicely. Another uh, that I like to use, Ron, is uh, cordyceps. Cordyceps, the mushroom. Cordyceps. It turns out I'm taking my- a couple of those. I take ashwagandha and I take cordyceps. Not so much for... You know the the effect on uh, you know testosterone or potency, but uh, you know because they're uh, adaptogens and cordyceps also has immune right. benefits. So they're it's not like these are just uh, ED remedies. They they have a broad range of tonic effects. That's correct. That's correct. Um, uh, I think that uh, 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 well let's, the the. The street name is Horny Goatweed. That's how people would find it. I think Horny Goatweed is just a... Epimedium? Epimedium? Epimedium, yeah. So there is something to that. I mean, the name sounds kind of hokey, but, you know, I guess there may be something to it. It, there, it, works, it, it works on some there, level. Yeah. There is. There is. Um, zinc. You need zinc. Mm-hmm. Uh, zinc helps with the freeing up of testosterone, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is again a big, a big factor. Um, another herb that I use to free up testosterone is nettle root. Now Net, it's very so important that people ne- understand. Now nettle, that nettle will work on. It actually has been demonstrated to lower sex hormone binding globulin. That's right. Oh wow! Okay, yes. that that's a good tip. Yes, yes, uh, it has, and um, I want to be clear that it is nettle root. Okay. Not the leaf. Okay. So I see a lot of supplements having the leaf. Mm-hmm. The leaf has other benefits, perhaps for allergies and other yeah. things, and it's uh, uh, some other benefits. But the root is what you need 
to uh, for uh, testosterone bioavailability. What's your take on Fidosia? That's also it's sometimes paired yeah. with Tonkat Ali, touted as as kind of a one-two punch for uh, testosterone. Is is that uh, safe and effective? You know, Ron, I, and I think that the, the, one of uh, you know uh, his name is uh, Huberman, which who has an amazing podcast, and mm-hmm. I recommend uh, his podcast to many. Certainly, no critique at all. All, all singing glories. I think he has uh, brought the uh, awareness of Fedosha as a testosterone booster. Even before, you know, this is the work I do, uh, way before me. And I have to tell you, I have not seen the research. And this is, uh, you know, Andrew Huberman is a research-oriented PhD neuroscientist. And I'm thinking, I'm missing something. It's not Huberman, it's me. I'm just missing something. Mm -hmm. And I keep looking, and I look harder, and I just can't find it. Okay. A little bit of animal research here and there, and so forth. I I, I don't see it. Okay. I, I don't see it. So whether or not uh, it is useful, uh, it might be. I certainly have not tried it clinically, and mm-hmm. I have not seen the research uh, the, the research behind it to uh, support its use so, at this at this time. So it's more the Tonkat Ali, which has the. Uh, better uh, track record and research base. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That, that is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly right. And uh, roughly, you know, more or less, that's that's what I do to optimize testosterone levels from a botanical perspective. Great. Okay. Let, let's, the remaining time, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about prostate cancer. And this is such a big uh, issue that I think I may want to get you back on to talk for an entire podcast about prostate cancer. But, uh, you know, a couple of scenarios. You know, first of all, there are the men who uh, have low-grade prostate cancer. And uh, now uh, something new has been initiated, even in conventional urology, which is the uh, wait-and-see approach, watchful waiting, uh, where uh, the prostate is monitored via various imagings and tests, and uh, often men do okay. They, the prostate you know, yeah. uh, doesn't go to the point where it's life-threatening. Sometimes one has to opt for a treatment eventually, but sometimes men can happily go to their grave at 92 without uh, having any kind of treatment whatsoever. Uh, and then there's the instance where men uh, have had treatment for prostate cancer, but there's always a chance of it coming back. And so uh, in those instances, uh, there's a whole lot that can be done from the standpoint of integrative urology. And that, I think, is, is, is something that you probably spent a lot of time with over there at NYU. That's right. Yeah, I do. I do. Ron, I'll give you, I, I know, I, I'll give you <laughs> a summary. This could be three other podcasts, yeah. but I'll give you a summary here. Um, there's a difference between watchful waiting and active surveillance. Watchful waiting means you literally that. You watch and wait till there's a symptom that is associated with your prostate cancer, whether it's advanced disease or it's spread to the bones or it's spread to the lungs and the brain. So you don't do anything on, until it had already spread, and then at that point, all you do is palliative care. That's watchful waiting. The term that we use and that's used more often is active surveillance. What active surveillance means is you just got diagnosed and you have a certain type of prostate cancer that based on the pathology of that cancer, the stage and grade, we don't think you'll die from um, this disease if 
we don't do anything, any medical treatment. However, we're going to surveil you. So we're going to continue to do PSA and we're going to continue to do MRIs and perhaps a year or two years or three years, another biopsy just to confirm that things are still good. So don't get lost and not get, you know, not be seen by anyone. That's not a good idea, but come for your visit and we're going to constantly clinically look at you to make sure that we don't drop the ball here. That's active surveillance. And that's mm -hmm. what's mostly done uh, these days. And you're right. Uh, men that are on active surveillance have this amazing opportunity to, you know, uh, shape up uh, and, and eat better and exercise and do all the things that then will create a micro environment that's hostile to cancer cells, which is ultimately the goal. Uh, I think it was your words, Ron. I think it was your words that says there's no good self-respected cancer cell that should ever want to live in your body. I think I'm paraphrasing, but somewhere along those lines, right? Wow, you're, you're uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it's something that I, I once said. So you know, kudos to you for remembering that. But yeah, that's what I say is we're going to pickle you in so many healthy nutrients and lifestyle factors that no self-respecting cancer cell would ever want to inhabit your body. So there you go. Good stuff. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that there is, that's the difference there. And um, active surveillance is a viable approach. And lastly, I'll say this, because just recently I had on my podcast, or at least we recorded with um, a, uh, a gentleman named uh, Minhaj Siddiqui, who's a urologic oncologist, and he wrote a review paper on active surveillance in men with Gleason 7. Mm -hmm. Right, so which is already pretty so a little bit a little bit advanced because we tend to think of uh, you know uh, active surveillance for maybe five and six, but not so much seven. Seven is a little bit more. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. that's right. So, for your audience, very quickly, uh, the staging system that's used in prostate cancer, the Gleason score, the Gleason score goes roughly from six to ten. The higher the score, the more of a the more the probability of there being advanced cancer that will spread. That's what it leads. So the, if it's a, a eight or a nine, the probability that it would spread is high. If it's a six, the probability that, will, that it will spread is very low to the point that if you're diagnosed with a Gleason six, I think most urologists would say you're a candidate for active surveillance. You don't need treatment now. The question becomes Gleason seven. Mm -hmm. And um, based on my conversations and my research, there are many people who are candidates for active surveillance uh, on uh, with a Gleason 7, 3 plus 4. So uh, I'll leave it there. So so that's a plausible strategy. So it involves uh, a whole panoply of things, you know, the, the right diet, uh, the right exercise. Exercise actually has been demonstrated to be preventive. Um, and obviously weight optimization because metabolic syndrome seems to fuel prostate cancer. Uh, elevated blood sugar is, is problematic. Um, and then there are the, there's certain supplements that actually may have anti-cancer effects. Can you, can you touch upon those? Yeah, sure. Look, um, you treat the patient, not the disease. And to say that this supplement has anti-cancer is, is a stretch. But I think that what we're trying to do is create, again, a micro environment that's hostile to these cancer cells so that um, they die off or they just don't spread. So a few of those include, in my opinion, in my ex uh, experience, include um, uh, curcumin, which comes from the turmeric, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer benefits based on the literature, over uh, over a thousand papers written in that regard, so it's very good, curcumin. Uh, 
Uh, I think your audience would know about that just listening to you, actually. <laughs> um, the other that I use frequently is Boswellia, which most people just use for joint health. But Boswellia actually has, um, yes, it's a great anti-inflammatory, and that's what we want to uh, target because chronic inflammation also contributes to uh, prostate cancer progression. But Boswellia also seems to have some anti-prostate uh, cancer uh, activity and, and uh, 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 abilities to it. So Boswellia, again, oftentimes used for joint health, but good here as well. Uh, I use uh, I use uh, magnolia bark, hmm. uh, great for immu- immune system. That that's great one that it, you know I didn't uh, know so much about. It's in sometimes formulas for adrenal stress, but it also has anti-cancer right. potential. Interesting. Correct. So the literature. So when I look at formulas and botanicals for prostate cancer, I wanted to do one of several things. Either uh, reduce some inflammatory biomarkers that I know that contribute to cancer, to prostate cancer, uh, improve or strengthen the immune system, NK cells if possible, but certainly T cells and so forth. Um, things that will, will help with uh, proper detoxification pathways because we just want, we don't want carcinogens just roaming around the body. We want to make sure your body takes care of that and gets rid of it. And, uh, promoting, uh, promoting, uh, uh, help with oxidative stress or free too many antioxidants so i'm trying to do any of these four things on any given time in addition to that i am also looking for some literature that's viable is good good enough literature that tells me yeah this has anti-cancer properties too so magnolia is one of them yeah so magnolia is supposed to be a great for the immune system um and also as an anti-cancer botanical um we have time for a few others. Yep, I'm sure. Uh, if you have time, because uh, I know that you're sure. uh, you're you're scheduled to go to a Yankee game tonight with your son, and I'm looking outside the <laughs> yeah. window here, and it actually looks like it might not be a rain out. So uh, you know, it. Uh, I leave it to you. You want to leave yourself adequate time to get there, uh, but no, yeah, I, go I'm, ahead. I, I'm in good shape. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I I love talking about this. So it's good, um, and I'm in good shape time wise. Thank you. Um, uh, the other uh, that I use is green tea extract. Uh, uh, I won't go into the why, but green tea extract yeah. is very good for prostate cancer. Uh, my favorite mushroom, and so people are into mushrooms for uh, medicinal mushrooms for cancer in general, certainly prostate cancer. I think they're all good. I think the shiitakes, the the, 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 the you know, the, they're all they're all good. Um, the one that I use most is Ganoderma or Rishi mushroom, mm-hmm. just because of the reason. Uh, as it relates to uh, prostate cancer uh, and even cancer in general. So I use a lot of reishi mushrooms. But I think, again, um, when they say, well, how about Corey Dallas and all these other, they're all good. Uh, really, they're all good. Uh, I like the, uh, the research as it relates to prostate cancer with Ganoderma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also use Andrographis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrographis uh, is an excellent anti-inflammatory. And it's excellent for the immune system. It's shown which, to reduce, which, which, by the way, loomed very large in, in some protocols for uh, COVID. Uh, Andrographis actually uh, right. kept coming up right. big for its antiviral immune supportive effect. So perhaps also uh, not so much to kill cancer cells, but to strengthen immune surveillance. I guess that's the idea. That is partially the idea for sure. Uh, excellent in inhibiting excess production of 
NF-kappa B. That's an inflammatory marker that contributes mm-hmm. to uh, different cancers. And interleukin-6, IL-6, another inflammatory biomarker that contributes to prostate cancer and cancer in general. So it's shown to uh, inhibit these two types of uh, inflammatory biomarkers. So I like andrographis quite a bit. Good stuff. Uh, then, of course, some basic vitamins uh, play a role, uh, you know, yeah. vitamin D, yeah. vitamin C, you know, I think those should be uh, included in our armamentarium against cancer. And I think there's some really good research about uh, optimizing vitamin D levels uh, for cancer prevention in general, but specifically for prostate cancer, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I like to have my patients, I don't know what your numbers, what numbers you like, Ron, but I like to have my patients between 40 and 60 nanograms per milliliters. Mm-hmm. I know that some people in our circle like them to be, you know, over 100, and I, that more is not necessarily better. Um, what is your approach? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think uh, we have to be a little careful because we don't create problems, and I think men can do very well with, you know, maybe hitting a 60 or 70. And, you know, once you're over 100, I tell patients to maybe uh, cool it on the vitamin D. Uh, what's your take on soy isoflavones for the prostate? Because, you know, there's some argument about, you know, do they, um, uh, do they act uh, beneficially to prevent prostate cancer or to perhaps even keep it in check if it's, you know, if you've already been diagnosed with prostate cancer? There's controversy about that. Ron, you're about to get me canceled, uh, not because I'm going to say anything <laughs> too crazy, but anytime, you know, when you, you know, religion, politics, and food, right? right? Yeah. Those are the three things that will get people to be disarmed and upset at you. Look, um, here's, I think, I think most people like what I'll say, and I'm not saying this just to be nice, but I've, I've looked at soy for a long time. So I went from mm-hmm. a huge soy person initially yep. when I was a, a vegan and, and raw foodist. So then being anti-soy because I became more paleo, so of course I had mm-hmm. my soy. And now I'm like, all right, let me look at this objectively. Like, yeah. what's really going on here? Without, what's without going on here? ideology. Without, yeah, without... Uh, without ideology, without emotion. Right. The truth is that uh, the truth is that everybody's wrong and everybody's right. Uh, <laughs> the truth is that as, as a... As a it, 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 there's no reason to demonize soy of any kind, whether it's fermented or not. Uh it might be beneficial for men, uh, uh, even without prostate cancer, but certainly men with prostate cancer. A lot of the research has been done on Asian men, and ma- Asian men have a, a microbiome in their gut that turns some of the products, oh. byproducts and chemicals of soy yeah. into something called enol, that that enol seems to be uh, seems to have a lot of anti-prostate cancer activity. So, it, so, it, it, men, so it, it may be specific to one's ethnicity, uh, whether you get a positive response. And then, of course, traditionally, soy is incorporated in the diet throughout a lifetime. Uh, here, men don't eat soy, and then all of a sudden, they're taking uh, genistine uh, capsules. Uh, right. you know, late in life, it may, that may be different than having a, a traditional d- a Japanese diet. That's correct. So A, how they do it, B, how their bio, uh, biochemistry is made up, uh, may be different. Now, that doesn't mean that I can prove to you that it doesn't help non-Asian men. It might, but I don't know that, and I don't mm-hmm. know to what degree, nor do I know that, you know, you should eat soy every day and then eat soy milk. And uh, what I will tell you is, I, if you're going to eat soy, have, have your, have your, 
your plant-based uh, vegan day if you're not going to be completely vegan. That's fine. Vegan Mondays that have you know tofu and things. Mm-hmm. What I will tell you is there's no need for the fake foods, for right. the soy ice cream and the, fo- and the soy cookies and all, you know, excess soy. I think that's more of a problem. So mm-hmm. uh, whether or not it's helpful in non-Asian men, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't think any, there's any downside. Okay. Look, I'm sure there's a heck of a lot more that you can say because, you know, when you work with men who have prostate cancer, uh, the information they receive is over many sessions. And I just wanted to, to conclude, you know, to mention that, uh, you know, I really consider you a uh, really a role model in this field, you know, a go-to guy uh, when I, you know, I'm up against kind of a challenging urological issue with my patients. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out to um, your practice in, at NYU. So how do people find out about it? Well, Ron, thanks again. You are, um, I mean, we, we integrative doctors, not only in New York, but across the country, uh, in the U.S., if not the world, we stand on your shoulders. You've been doing this for a long time and integrative medicine before everybody, anyone knew about it. Uh, you were doing it. Um, uh, I don't know if you went to jail back in the day, <laughs> in the day for it, but that's well, how you get, that's how you get your stripes, you know, that's how you this, get your, your stripes. This much I will say, day. this much I will say is I truly, uh, believed when I first started practice that I had about a 50 50 chance of, uh, you know, actually surviving with my medical license intact. And, you know, uh, I, so it, it's turned out uh, on the plus side from that standpoint. So, you know, because, you know, it was, it, it was so counter uh, the conventional wisdom that, you know, we had a lot of resistance in the, in the day. But, you know, practitioners like you are helping to legitimize science-based uh, natural medicine. And there's a whole generation of practitioners and even beyond you, a whole new generation of well-trained uh, naturopathic physicians, NDs, and integrative uh, MDs and DOs and other practitioners in other areas that are really carrying out this work. So good stuff. Give us the uh, heads up to uh, your uh, practice, please. Yeah. Uh, so all things in my practice and my work is drgeo.com. So it's drgeo.com uh, and you'll get everything from there. Good stuff. Enjoy the baseball game. Hey, uh, it looks like it may not uh, be a downpour. I hope that uh, the game uh, takes place and that uh, go Yankees. Go Yankees. (laughs) Thanks so much, Ron. All the best. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoppinStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoppinStore.com. DearHoppinStore.com.